But Proverbs chapter number 12, go down all the way down to verse number one tonight. The Bible said, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of righteousness shall not be moved. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He that hath his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of uh, trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but the counselors of peace is joy. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but, uh, but they that deal truly are his delight. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. In the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, again for this evening, thank you, Lord, for letting us be in the house of God tonight. Lord, thank you for grace. Lord, amazing grace. Lord, we, we can't even accurately and completely describe how wonderful your grace is in our life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the liberating effect of our salvation. Lord, we are free from sin. Lord, there was a time in my life where it is what I chose. It was what I was inclined to do. It was what was natural in my life. But Lord, so I'm thankful, Lord, for the day that you saved me, God. Now the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me because you dwell inside of me and now I have the ability to say no to sin. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you give us a desire, Lord, to live clean, to live right, to live pure, holy, righteous before you, Lord. You, you told us to be holy for you are holy, Lord. And if we're gonna be like you and we're gonna be godly, then holiness is gonna go hand in hand with that. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just work in our hearts, take the word of God, Lord, make it real to us tonight, Lord, make it personal to us, Lord. We may we see ourselves in the scriptures tonight, Lord, and help us, Lord, to apply what needs to be applied in our life. Lord, help us to make it personal to us, Lord, and Lord, help us not be concerned whether or not somebody else is getting the message. Lord, help us be concerned whether or not we're getting the message tonight. 
And I pray, Lord, you work in our hearts tonight. Lord, we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there's a word that is used. I didn't count how many times it was used, but it's used on, on, in a great deal of verses. It's only three letters. It's the word but. Right? It's, it's, it's a phrase, but. A phrase, but. And there's another phrase after that. What we see in Proverbs chapter number 12, really it's a chapter of contrast. It is one thing being contrasted next to another thing or, or one thing being compared to another thing. And we see here tonight that it shows us how opposite things really are, right? They're, they're not, they're not, there's no common ground in between these two things, but we're living in a society that is trying its best to make everything the same. That there is no different, there is no separation, but may I remind you now that we serve a God of separation. Since the beginning, God has been in a separating work, right? He separated day from light, land from sea. You see it in creation. He even told him that his, his priests were to be separated from the people. And tonight, we as Christians are to be separated from the world, right? He's a God of separation. And a lot of times, right, when we say the word separation, we think we have to be separated without love. But really, they go hand in hand together. The more I love God, the more I'll be separated unto him. If I'm separated unto him, then the less I'm going to be separated unto the world. And we see that tonight. But this is a chapter of contrast, but we live in a society that wants us all to be the same, right? The modern theology of our day and you know, if you listen to modernists, you listen to different people like that, contemporary, uh, whose doctrines are off, they'll say, things, well, we all serve the same God. Right, we're all going to the same, we're all on the same mountain, we're all going to the same peak, we're just taking different paths. Preacher, who said that? Joel Steen did. Right, we're all on the same mountain, headed to the same God, to the same path. That's not true tonight. Or we all believe the same thing, we just put different labels in titles on it tonight, and that's not true either because the deacon, according to the Bible, does not match up to the deacon of the Catholic Church. Right, we see that tonight, and it's not all the same thing. Well, preacher, we're all going to heaven, even those that don't believe. We understand that not to be true tonight. Right, when we say that those who die without Christ are going to a place called hell, we don't say that of hate or even for a desire for them to go there. Right, we say that because it's what the Bible says. And we see tonight that the Bible is a book of separation. And right, and here's the thing, God has no problem drawing the line of separation. We see it right here in chapter number 12. God is, God takes on one side, he takes the wickedness or the, the unrighteous and he separates them from the righteous or, or the, 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 the wise or those of knowledge. Right? He draws a line of separation. He draws a line of contrast and that little word but tells us tonight that there is no common ground. Right, in essence, it is not how much of the unholy and the holy can we put together and get away with. Right, it is to be completely and totally separate. Let me ask you tonight, if you were to drink water, how much dirt would you allow your water, be in your water before you say, you know what, I'm not drinking that no more. Right, it's one of those things, I don't know it's in there, that's different. But if I watch you pick up a thing of sand, I'm gonna be like, nah, you know what, I'm not thirsty no more. I'm gonna leave it alone. And here God tells us in Proverbs 7 and 12, there are some contrasts, there are some separating things, they need to be that way. Right, verse number one, really, what is the main difference, preacher, between these two sides? And really, it's the heart. Look at verse number one, whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is, a, is brutish tonight. And you see right here, here's the separate, it's a matter of the heart. Right, you love with your heart, 
right? You, you love, and I'm not talking about that organ that beats. I'm talking about the, the seed of your emotions, who you are. That's, you love, that's your desires, your heart, your dreams, your, all that. That's all found in your heart tonight. And here it says, whoso loveth uh, instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof or doesn't like instruction is brutish. Right, there's a clear contrast there, and it deals with the heart. You say, well, and really, how do, it breaks like this. How does your heart feel, or how does your heart lean towards instruction? Do I like it when the Lord corrects me? Do I like it when the Lord proves me, or proves again to me what the truth is? Do I like that? Do I, am I willing for that? Am I asking for that? Is that what I desire? And the Bible says that if you say yes, that is what I desire, then you're one who loves knowledge. Now, we, we like to say, well, preacher, I'm in church on Wednesday night. Of course, that's what I love. What about tomorrow morning? What about uh, tomorrow, three o'clock in the afternoon or, or whatever time tomorrow the boss gets on your nerves and your flesh says, give it back to him. Give it back and let him have it. He deserves it. He don't even know what he's doing. The Holy Ghost Spirit said, no, no, that's not what we do no more. It's not how we handle things, right? The Bible said, yes, if we love knowledge or we love instruction, then we love knowledge because that's how you learn. The Bible said, if we hate it or we despise it or I don't need that, the Bible says we're brutish. That means almost to mean animal-like. In essence, that it, 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 you lose all sense of knowledge and wisdom, compassion and concern. Tonight, in essence, now you say, well, no, preacher, my dog, he's compassionate. My dog loves me, preacher. He, he cares for me. He's, 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 he's my, my, my best friend is my dog, preacher, until you run out of snacks, until you quit showing him affection. And you quit petting I guarantee you, listen, I, I guarantee you, if the neighbor's got better snacks than you and he's giving them out to the dog more than you're giving out to him, sooner or later, that dog's gonna be gone. We see here tonight that there's a comparison. Really, it's a contrast between two separate things tonight. And it all starts with your heart. And as we go through this tonight, say, where does my heart lie or where is my heart aligned in these areas. I want to give you three areas tonight concerning this contrast tonight. First of all, we see the reason for the contrast. We see the reason for the contrast. What is the source of this contrast? It's the intent and desires of our heart. What we have is the direct result of what we want and what we desire. And this is not what you desire is what you're going to pursue. What you want is what you're going to go after. I don't know if you're like me, but every now and again, I get a hankering for something. We all know what the word hankering is tonight, don't we? Well, I, I, I want something, and 10 times out of 10, it's some kind of food object. Right? I, I'll just be sitting on the couch. I'll, I'll, I would have just finished eating dinner, be stuffed to the gills. I look over at Miss Becky, I say, You know what sounds good right now? A big old fat, juicy cheeseburger. She's like, How can you even think about food right now? And what else is there to think about? Right, but you get that desire, and the longer, the longer I linger on, the longer it, it captivates my mind, sooner or later, I'm going to swing by somewhere, and I'm going to pick up what I want. And the same thing is true in our Christian life. What we think about, what we dwell on, what we desire, what we want, is what we are going to pursue. And we're going to see here tonight that we see the reason for this contrast. There are some that are going to pursue the right things, and there's going to be some that are going to pursue the, the wrong things, and it all starts with 
a desire. It all starts with a thought. It all starts within our mind tonight. Verses five and six, we see a focused thought life or a deceitful thought life. Look at verse number five. The Bible says the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. What a, what a, what a, what a way to put that tonight. The thoughts of the righteous are right. And this is when you're thinking according to the word of God and not outside the confines of the scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit of God, when that is the desire of our heart, we are thinking right. The, 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 the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. What, what, preacher, what does that mean? And you gotta ask yourselves, what do I spend more time thinking about? Taking advantage or, or getting gain for myself at the expense of the person or at the expense of my testimony, at the expense of my integrity? Or do I sit over here and say, all right, Lord, it's Tuesday morning, I'm at work, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And right, we, we know the answer to some of those questions. Whatsoever your hands find to do, do it hardly as unto the Lord, not unto men. Right, we understand, but some of that, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what's your thinking on this? Righteous thinking, righteous, think about the right and deliverance. Wicked, think about deceit and destruction. Verse number six, the words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Do you realize tonight when you say the right thing because you allow the Lord to guard your lips and to guard your mind, and to, to, to help you to think before you speak, those very words tonight, in essence, they liberate you or they, they set you free tonight because you are saying the right thing. They will, they will deliver them. You don't have to say, oh, man, I didn't mean to say that. Or I should not have said that. When we stop and we, we and I'm not saying it's always easy to do. I'm not saying it's gonna come naturally because if it came naturally, we wouldn't need the Spirit of God. When we stop and we think about that and we, we allow our mind to say, you know what, I, I'm not gonna say what my flesh wants to say. Lord, what do you want me to say? And we'll preach, I, I prayed that and God didn't, God didn't give me anything to say Then he probably wants you to be quiet. We see that a focused thought life or do I have a deceitful thought life? Verse number 29 says, deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counsels of peace is joy. And so we see that it all starts in the heart. In essence, if you can get your heart right, you can get your heart in tune with God tonight, get your heart aligned with the word of God tonight, you'll see a vast improvement in your Christian life. Then verses nine and 10, the righteous are concerned for others, the wicked are conceited and cruel. Look at verse number nine. He that is despised, and hath the servant is better than he that honors himself and lacketh bread. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting verse right there because verse number nine, it talks about the perverse heart shall be despised. And then verse number nine says, well, it's okay to be despised if you have a servant. Now, let me ask you now, how many of y'all have servants? <laughs> Rachel, we live in the 21st century. What, he, what, what Solomon is trying to get us to understand tonight, that a, a man, in essence, a, a righteous man doesn't necessarily care what everybody else says about him because he knows down in his heart he's treating others well. Notice here it doesn't say a slave or even a bond servant. It's one who's brought in to, 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 to employ and to uh, pay for a service. He takes care of him, verse number 10, to the righteous man regarding the life of his beast. In essence, he cares not just for the people around him, but he cares for those things that God has brought him. He cares for FIFO. 
right? He, he cares and you can see his compassion. And that's, it's not just one avenue, it's oozing out of his life. Why? He has a desire in his heart to, for people to see his concern for others. But the wicked don't have that. They're conceited and they're cruel. The wicked would rather starve to death than drop their pride. They'd rather starve to death than, and to, to, than just admit that they are wrong. And can I say, sometimes that creeps into the Christian's life. I'd rather do without what God has for me just so I don't have to admit that I'm wrong. Or I'd rather do with, without the blessings of God as long as that means that, you know, so preacher, why, why would you do that? Because I don't want to admit that I'm not as good as I think I am. And sometimes that creeps into our life. We've got to realize tonight that, that God, go in your Bible, I don't see anywhere in there, God says, all right, in this instance, pride is okay. Or in this instance, pride is justified. Our Bible always says God hates pride. He, he's, he's against the prideful. He's withdrawn from the prideful tonight. So we, we realize when we get those thoughts in our heart, we need to bring them to the subjection of Christ and realize I am absolutely 100% nothing without God. We see that tonight. The righteous are concerned for others. The wicked are conceited and cruel. Look at verse uh, number 10. The Bible said the tender mercies of the wicked. Talking about their best effort. It's so construed and it's so messed up. Their attempt at mercy is cruel. Prove that preacher, abortion. Isn't that what's being taught to us? It is, it is beneficial to the, the mother. You know, if, it, if it's, it goes, she's not ready for it. It's not the right circumstances. And then this is a help and a blessing to the mother that she can bring in, she can end that life. That is, well, let me ask you, what about the baby? And we see that tonight, in essence, the, 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 and I don't want to say the left, but the, that crowd tonight will say that abortion is an act of mercy. See, and I can't think of anything more precious than a baby and a child in the womb who is innocent, who is, who is a, a, a wonderful creation of God. And for them to say, here's how we show mercy to it, we kill it. And so their attempt at tender mercy is what? Cruel. We see that tonight, and it's separated down the line. God says they don't go, there's no common ground there. It's a complete contrast. So we see verse 5 and 6, verse 9 and 10, verse number 12 and 15, the righteous are productive and humble. The wicked are self-serving and self-centered. Look at verse number 12. The wicked desire the net of evil men. In essence, they are willing to take leftovers from evil men. They're willing to take what, what somebody else has already tracked in it. And says, but the root of the righteous yieldeth what? Fruit. Let me ask you now, who does a tree yield fruit for? Other people. When's the last time you've seen an apple tree eating an apple? When's the last time you've seen an orange tree eating an orange or a pecan tree shelling a pecan and taking it in? I used both forms there just in case uh, you were one or the other. But we see that a tree doesn't bear fruit for nests tonight. A righteous Christian, and when I, when I'm not, when I say I'm not talking about self-righteous, but I'm talking about somebody who is, who is in line with God, they're in the will of God, they are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit according to the word of God tonight. In essence, they'll realize this is not about me, but rather when the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit's working in my life, it's not so I can pick it off my own tree and eat it, but rather as God brings fruit out of my life, it's a blessing to somebody else. 
I think sometimes in our Christian life, we get it backwards that the Holy Spirit is supposed to work fruit in my life for me. But really, it's the, the Lord allows me to be used to help others. A tree doesn't bear fruit for itself, but, in essence for a, but here's the thing, for a tree to bear fruit, it has to be pruned. It has to be cut back. It has to be dealt with in that sense. But the wicked, they, they just take other things. They take another man's catch, and who needs to be rescued? They, instead of rescuing them, they just take more advantage of them. The wicked settle for self-justification. Look at verse number 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Right, but the he that hearkens to the counsel is wise. And here's the thing, in essence, he said, well, preacher, I can't change their mind. You won't, God has to do that. Because they have learned, and just like you were before you probably got saved, even sometimes when I am saved, I find myself trying to justify myself. Well, Lord, you know, and, and Lord, you understand, and, and Lord, you, I, I, Lord, I, I think we're on the same page here, and God say, no, we're nowhere near the same page. Right, we try to self I'm, I'm allowed to have this attitude because there's a lot on my plate. I'm allowed to be bitter because I've been through a lot. I'm allowed to, and you go down those things tonight, and, 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 and it sounds good. We can justify it ourselves. But the Bible says there in verse number 16 that, to be verse number 15, but he that hearkened to the counsel is wise. And they, Lord, I know what your word says, but here, here's how I feel. Can I say tonight, when your feelings are out of line with the word of God, your feelings are wrong? Oh, preacher, you can't say that in 2023. This has to be a safe place. And, people, and you can't talk about people's feelings. That's what's wrong with most people today. They're, instead of living off of facts, they're living off feelings. I pre, preach, I feel like a woman. You're born a man, you're a man. Preach, I feel, I, and listen tonight, sometimes I gotta tell my feelings to get in check. I feel like I deserve this, and God will say, you deserve hell. Well, Lord, you're right. Right, the righteous are productive and humble. The wicked are self-serving and self-centered. And here's the problem with self-justification. It always leads to sinful justification. Self-justification always leads to sinful justification. So we see the, the reason for the contrast. It is a desire in our heart. Let me ask you, do you, let, do you let the word of God determine whether you are right or do you just trust your feelings tonight? We see the reason for the contrast. Number two tonight, moving quickly, we see the reality of the contrast. We're making good time, amen. It's only 8.30. <laughs> amen. We see the reality of the contrast. Well, how many would say tonight, preacher, life would be so much easier if I could see people's hearts and I could read their minds. Can I say that? That sounds good. It'd probably be real scary. Oh, what were they thinking about over there? There's the thing tonight we can't. We can't read my, oh, preacher, I've seen it on TV. A man did it. Yeah, he tricked you. <laughs> Fooled you. You can't read minds. Right? And however, however, tonight we are given some tests here in Proverbs chapter number 12 to see the reality of this contrast. Because it, we can't always see desire. We can't always see wants and, and thoughts and, and minds about things. And so God gives us some things tonight that we can actually observe and see. Right? Professionals call it a tell. It's one of those things body language expert, experts can say, well, their eyes turn to the left and they're telling the truth. Their eyes turn to the right, they're telling a lie. If their fingers go like this, they're confident what they're talking about. Right? If they're like this, they're closed off. I remember thinking that one time. I said, no, I stand like that because a lot of times my hands are cold. 
right? You know, and all these different kind of things. But the Bible gives us some tells tonight to, to see what side of the line either I'm on or somebody else is on. First of all, we'll preach one of these three tells. The first one's the tale of the tongue. The tale of the tongue, verse number 13. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with the good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. You ever heard this phrase, I'll give them just enough rope to hang themselves with. In essence, if you listen long enough, and you let somebody talk long enough, you listen to the way they talk and what they talk about and how they talk about it and who they talk about and their heart behind it. You listen to them talk long enough, you can see what side of the line they're on. And here's the thing tonight. I wish I could say tonight that I've always been on the right side of that line, of that, that contrast there. But sometimes because of my flesh, just like yours, I find myself on the other side. And it's one of those when I begin to listen to myself talking about why? Why was I talking about that? Why did I say that? But we see that the wicked tongue, it's sharp, it's snaring, it's slanderous. Verse number 18, down to 22 to 23. Verse number 18, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. It is, it's a sharp tongue, always cutting somebody down. <laughs> and I wish tonight I could say that that's just a problem in the pews. But can I say sometimes you hang around preachers long enough, you'll find out it, it doesn't care about position or leadership. You know, they'll cut each other down. Like, I thought we was all on the same team here. They was all trying to win, win people to Jesus. I'm not, and I'm not talking about uh, heretics and crazy people. I'm talking about people of like-minded faith, right? People who believe in the Great Commission, believe in the King James Bible. And it's like all they do is fight each other, cut each other down. I'm thinking, I don't think the Lord is pleased with this. But can I say, sometimes I find myself with a sharp tongue. It's snaring. In essence, it, they, you know, <laughs> they are gonna trip themselves up. Preacher, and, and, and here's the thing tonight, you, you get in the habit of lying, you won't just tell one lie. Because the only way you can cover up with a lie is with another lie. Then you gotta tell another lie and tell another lie, and sooner or later you're gonna run into somebody who's been keeping track of your lies, and they're gonna say, no, 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 this is what you said right here. And all of a sudden, your tongue's gonna get you in trouble. Your uncontrolled tongue's gonna get you in trouble, snaring, it's slanderous. It's tearing one another down. That's the, but then the Bible gives us the, a picture of the righteous tongue. It's saving. It's sincere. It's a salve. It's secure. Verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. You know, the Lord takes delight when you tell the truth. And we, we, and we talk about it, you know, little kids, y'all need to tell the truth. Can I say, kids, when you tell the truth, God delights in that. He is pleased by that. Middle-aged group, when you tell the truth, God delights in that. Older-aged group, God delights when you tell the truth. Right, and that ought to be, that ought to be desire, you know. It's one of those things, yeah, you ever thought, preacher, I want to please the Lord, I don't, I just, but I just don't know how. Preacher, I want to serve God, I, I just don't want to tell the truth. Get in the habit of telling the truth, that's how you please the Lord. It takes the light in it. it, it's a saving tongue, it's a sincere tongue. Verse 23, a prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. In essence, that wise man says, you know what? It's not my business to tell everybody else's business. It conceals knowledge. Right, but preacher, we, we need to know so we can pray for them better. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I love you to death, but if you ever come to me and you tell me that statement, whoever you're talking, you're not, you're not gonna get it. 
Preacher, I, I need to pray for them better. Could you tell me what they were talking to you about in your office? No. <laughs> I can't. can't. I just can't formulate the words. Not, my brain's quit working. Might as well go home. <laughs> there's the tale of the tongue. Notice there's, there's a tale of the testimony. Verse 16 and 17. A fool's wrath is what presently known, but a prudent man covers shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There's a tale in an earlier tongue, but they tell how they live. How many of us know some people, and we're not talking bad about them. We're not putting them down. Really, we want to see them get right with God. But we know some people who are out of the will of God, who are not living right, who, who, who for, some odd, for one reason or another, they've backslid and they're out of the will of God. And it feels like everybody else but them knows it. It's evident to us, we see it, and, and we, we see what, what they're not doing, what they used to do, and, but to them, they, they don't see it, they're missing it. There's the tale of their testimony. So what do you mean, preacher? You gotta learn to look at people's lives and learn to look at my life. Which side of the line is my testimony on? Look, look where they're living, look where you're living. Ask those that live with them and around them. Right? You gotta learn to, to realize that if they don't have a good testimony. Right, and they don't have a solid testimony. They're not serving the Lord. And they're not sold out to the Lord. Then I've got to be careful around them. I'm not going to be rude and mean to them, but I've got to realize if I begin to fellowship with them, I'm not going to pull them up. They're going to pull me down. We see that tonight. You've got the tell of their testimony, the tell of their tongue. Then we see the tell of their treasure. Look at verse 26 and 27. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor but the way of the wicked seduceth them. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Look what they have. And here's the thing, I'm not talking about materialistic things, right? Because there's a lot of people with a whole lot of things who aren't right with God. And there's a lot of people who are, I mean, absolutely slap dab in the middle of the will of God and don't have a penny to their name. And don't have the, the nice things of this world, but the tell of the treasure. See, the righteous shares the source of his righteousness. Man, you got a good family, you got good kids, you got a, you got a good job, you, you've got this, you've got that. How did you get that? Well, let me tell you, I'm a hard worker. And let me tell you, I'm smart and I've read every book on parenting children. I've read every book on how to have a good man. I tell you what, I'm just a, I'm just a smart fella. Here's what the righteous man said. Let me tell you something. My life ought to be a wreck. My home ought to be a wreck. I, not, I, I shouldn't be able to keep down a job and hold down a job. But let me tell you, God changed my life. And he put something in me I didn't have before. The righteous man, they have the tell of their treasure. The wicked takes advantage of his neighbor. The righteous shares with his neighbor the source of his righteousness. The righteous views his substance as precious. Why? Because he's known it's come through the hand of God to him. See, a lot of the times God gives us things or allows us to have things and we think it's because of my hands. And I think it's, it's my job to hold on to it. It's my job uh, to never let it go. It's my job to all these different kind of things. But we realize tonight that everything you have in your life, the reason why you have is God has allowed you to get it. And the tale of the treasure, the righteous views of sin is precious. <laughs> it's precious. 
Boy, I love it when, when Christians begin to give thanks for things that, that are somewhat insignificant to anybody. And tonight, you say, well, preacher, give me an example of that. You go to my house tonight and you, you were to look at my cabinets and boy, that's a, that's a blessing of God that, that we have cabinets in our house and, and how God gave those things to us. And, but it, <laughs> inside, of, not inside, but on, on the outside of those cabinets are little handles. We call them poles in the cabinet business. And those things came out of a millionaire's house because she didn't like the color. They look great in my house. But here's the thing, we was putting that house together, we was asking God to show himself faithful to us. And God, show us and work on our behalf. Well, we don't deserve it, but God, give us something to brag about, to honor you with. (laughs) Can I tell you tonight that God cares about the, the cabinets in my house? It's precious to me. It's precious to me tonight. And let me ask you that the things that God has given you, are they precious to you? Do you see them as a gift from God or are they just a burden now? The righteous views of substance as precious. The wicked, slothful, depends upon everybody else and everybody else's efforts. And we see that same mentality creep into the church as well. Oh, preacher, I ain't gonna study. That's your job. Preacher, I ain't gonna read my Bible. That's your job. Preacher, I ain't gonna pray. That's your job. And here's the thing tonight. When you live depending upon everybody else, guess what? You're, you're in debt. You're in debt, and debt is a slave master. Debt is cruel. Debt ain't no fun tonight. And when we begin to live our Christian life depending upon everybody else, you'll miss out on what God is doing in your life because you won't ask for it. You won't look for it. You won't see it. Tonight, and we realize, I wrote this down in my, my notes tonight, and that's why tonight I have no issue with them saying, hey, you have to now attempt and try to go to work in order to get food stamps. I have no issue with that tonight. No problem with that. Tonight, so preacher, I can't work. I'm I understand. That's what they're there for. But right when we have a nation of people that are dependent upon a handout and not learning, and the same thing is true in the Christian life. We've got a church, an American church full of church members who have no idea what their Bible says. Not because the preacher doesn't preach it, it's because they don't read it for themselves. No idea how to get a hold of God because they're expecting somebody else to pray for them. Well, oftentimes, and there's nothing wrong with giving requests, but I'd encourage you if you're going to give a request to make, for, make sure you pray for it yourself. The teller of their treasure. Now, the wicked is always depending upon somebody else. I understand that we depend upon God. We understand that tonight. But a slothful man is depending upon some, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. He took somebody else's and claimed it for himself. Let me ask you tonight, which tale are you giving off in your life? What's your treasure say about you? What's your testimony say about you? What's your tongue say about you? Then notice number three tonight, we have the reason, the reality. Then notice number three, we see the results of the contrast. The wicked and the righteous are different tonight. They're not similar, they're not even close. And so it's no surprise that they're so different that they result in different things or they end up in a different place. They end up at a different finish line. See, the righteous, verse number two through five, will be commended and constructive. The wicked will be condemned and cancerous. Look at verse number two of Proverbs chapter 12. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but he, the she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Right, we see that one is 
One is constructive, one is commended, the other is condemned and cancerous. One is God is for and, and ends up in a wonderful place and the other one God is against and God does not bless. The righteous will build up and edify. We, we like, to, I mean, oftentimes, and it, notice the illustration he gives in verse number four. He talks about a virtuous woman. It's a crown to her husband. So what does that make the woman? She's the wife. And the Bible says that when even in that, that aspect, we, we always think about in the general aspect, the church right here, God says even within the home, ladies. And somebody asked me one time, why is the Bible so hard on women? Can I say that I don't think the Bible's hard on women. I don't think the Bible's hard on men. I, I think God is very gracious tonight to teach us how does a marriage actually work? How does that relationship supposed to look like tonight? You know, God didn't have to give us that outline. God didn't have to give us this advice. He didn't have to give us this wisdom. He could have said, all right, you're married, now please me. We would have said, Lord, I have no idea how. But yet he does here tonight. He tells us that a woman is a crown to her husband. And the understanding there, my, my wife read a book, and I think she shared it with you ladies, and I just, I, I read it this afternoon. Because the lady in the book said, have your husband read the book. So I read the book. And it is a wonder, it's a good book. I'd encourage all you ladies to read it. But a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. We often think about the crown upon the head and no doubt that is understanding. But she brought out this illustration concerning the teeth. And she said that, that as a wife, you have the ability, right, to be that crown or that protection or, or, or be that cause of edifying and encouraging and building up your husband. But at the same time, if you act outside of wisdom and the knowledge of the word of God, you have the ability there in verse number four uh, that, may, he make, that she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones or can cause that cancer in that sense that tears apart. I know independent fundamental Baptists, we like to put women down here, but can I say God thinks very high of women. And we understand that authority. We understand the, 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 the line of authority within the church, within the home tonight, and in our personal life as well tonight. And that's there for a wonderful reason tonight. But can I say, ladies, you have a wonderful opportunity. You have a wonderful opportunity to build up and to encourage your husband. But you also have the sad opportunity to tear him down. And we see here tonight that not, that doesn't just apply within the home, but it applies in your everyday Christian life as well. I have the ability, because of the Holy Spirit inside of me, I have the ability to edify my brethren, but I also have the ability to tear them down. The question is, who am I listening to? See, the wicked will tear down and destroy. God will bless one, and he's going to judge the other. We, we oftentimes like to forget the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. In essence, God, God, God ain't going to sweep nothing underneath the rug. God ain't going to pretend, oh, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. No, God sees all. He knows all tonight, and he will deal with all. We need to let that be the motivator of our life tonight. The righteous will be commended and constructive. The wicked will be condemned and cancerous. Notice this, the righteous will be protected and delivered. The wicked will be defeated and despised. Verse seven and eight, the wicked are overthrown and are not. But the house of the righteous shall stand. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is a perverse heart shall be despised. You go down to verse number 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Verse 21, there shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. You know, our Bible's full of these examples of those who did right and who were protected and delivered. What about Esther? I'm pretty sure she was delivered. And she said, I, I've come into a kingdom for such a time as this. 
I'm here to serve the living God. I'm here to do what God has desired me to do and designed me to do. What about Joseph? Was he delivered? He was. What about Daniel? He was delivered, wasn't he? What about the Hebrew boys? They were delivered. They're perfect example that when you do right, God will take care of you. But then we also see the flip side. The wicked will be defeated and despised. Numbers 16 that we're in this morning was the story of Korah who was given ample opportunity to get things right, thought he knew better than what Moses did and what God did, and the Bible said God swallowed him up, opened up the ground. What about Jezebel? Was she delivered? Oh, no. The dogs looked up her blood. What about Pharaoh? Was he delivered? No, no, he was swallowed up in the Red Sea. There are examples of this. In essence, and a lot of times when, you, when we watch the media, when we watch uh, politics and the news and all that kind of stuff, it's very easy to get defeated because we feel like evil is winning. Can I say evil's not winning tonight? Why? God's already won the battle. The righteous will be protected and delivered. The wicked will be defeated and despised. The righteous will be promoted while the wicked will be put down. Verse 24 and 25. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Heaven is in the heart of man, maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. The wicked will always be paying off a of favor. Well, the righteous won't have any strings attached holding them down tonight. That's, that's the beauty of doing that which is right. It is, Miss, Miss uh, Ansley saying about it is, thank God I'm free. I'm free tonight. I've been saved by the grace of God. But when you and I do what pleases the Lord, what is right tonight, there's, no, there's nothing weighing us down. We may not get the result from the person or from the situation we thought we should get, but we can go to bed at night saying, I have done right. The wicked or the unrighteous tonight who is scammed here and scammed there and scammed here and took advantage here and took advantage there, they'll go to bed at night and say, who's gonna catch me today? Who's gonna find me now? The wicked will bring others down with them. The righteous will bring others up with them. Then we see the righteous have a hopeful promise. The wicked don't. Look at verse number 28. It's one of the few verses in Chapter number 12, that doesn't have a but. In the way of the righteous is life, and in the pathway thereof, there is no death. We see here tonight, the righteous have a hopeful promise. The wicked don't. Can I say tonight, being, doing what is right doesn't just pay off now, but the reason why it's so wonderful because we know where we're headed tonight. It'll pay off in eternity too. Boy, imagine that tonight. I want you to go back to your darkest moment your worst day before you got saved. And remember how low you really were and how bad and how sinful and all that kind of stuff tonight. And then you go to the day that you got saved by the grace of God. He changed your life. And then I don't know when, maybe the day of, a few days after, you did what the Lord told you to do. He put something in your heart and you thought it was crazy and you, you tried to make it make sense and you couldn't and, you, and it came out like, well, why you doing? Well, all I can say is this is what the Lord wants me to do. And you did what God told you to do and you pleased him. You know tonight he took record of that? <laughs> and one day you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna bring that back up and you're gonna say something along the lines like, Lord, the only reason why I did that was because you told me to. And what you did down here, which was right, You'll be reminded of it over there and you'll be reminded of it in heaven tonight. What you did for God will last for eternity. Just think about that tonight. There's gonna to come a time in eternity and, and it's gonna, when you get to heaven tonight, 
and, we, and our minds are made new and the half that hasn't been told will be told unto us. We're, I, I, I can't explain it tonight, but I, I don't think we're going to get into heaven and think about all our failures, all of our mess-ups. Right? We're going to gather on the, ro- the throne and say, worthy is the lamb, and we remind of the things that we did for him. I understand we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and those things are going to be dealt with. But I also understand tonight for all of eternity we're going to sing glory and holy is the lamb tonight. We're not going to be bogged down by our mess-ups and our failures. We're going to understand completely and totally what it means to be justified and saved by the grace of God. And what we do now down here, we'll, we'll remember up there when we're just going to be more excited about it. Listen to Brother Larry Brown preach one day this week on, on YouTube and he, he is preaching in front of I don't know how many hundreds of people. And he said, I just want to tell you, the Christian life gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> he said, I know it's a college town. This is a college school and a college church. He said, but it gets gooder and gooder. And I said, that's the, true, that's the truth tonight. The Christian life gets gooder and gooder. Because you've got to realize, what's after this? Heaven. <laughs> it gets gooder and gooder tonight. The righteous have a hopeful promise that the wicked don't. Are you willing to have the right reasons and a, and a real testimony so you can enjoy the right results tonight? We see the results and the reasons and the reality of this contrast. God put a difference here. Are we tonight? Are we allowing the